understand the theme of the Bible, right? And it has multiple themes. But the one I want to stress tonight, uh, at least in partiality, and is that we're all supposed to be in pursuit of God. Amen. We're not supposed to be satisfied with a little dusting off once in a while and then we'll have a few issues and want to show back up before God and try to get His attention again. We're supposed to keep God's attention. And we're supposed to be pursuing Him constantly. And by that I, I know... I've been asked before how can I be in a state of worship constantly when I'm working or doing things well you really can it's a it's it's more than a frame of mind it's a frame of spirit because you 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 create a frame of spirit and everybody's got to do this this isn't just something that pounces on you and all of a sudden you've got it You've got to have a will and a desire to pursue God, first of all. If you don't have a will and desire to, then you're not going to do it. And once we develop that will and desire, that want, that really it's a need. We need God. Amen. We need more of Him. And the way we arrive at that is pursuing Him. And by pursuing Him, I'm talking about we literally follow after Him and we could call it chase or whatever because we want to be closer to Him. And when we're closer to God, that brings us the resources of God. You don't get the resources of God, at least most all of them. You don't get those by once in a while or kind of halfway. When you really find God, you find Him by pursuing Him. You find Him by interest in Him and, and devotion and desire and commitment and, and knowing that He is, above all things, you need Him more than you need anything else. Amen. And that's the attitude you got to have. So I'm, I'm really pressed to, uh, to go to an area tonight, and it has to do with pursuit of God. Uh, it has to do with worship. It has to do with a lot of things. And if you'll open your Bible tonight to the book of Psalms, I'm going to guide you to a scripture where we're going to start at. Now I was noticing earlier in the song, the worship time, where we... The, the praise in this house with a few folks tonight was enormous. Amen. Hallelujah. The altar was busy. It relates to what I've said thus far, the activity here already tonight in the first 40 minutes of the service is when people involve themselves with God and do that with a sincerity instead of just motions, then things begin to happen. They happen to us personally. They happen to us corporately. It takes individual people to worship God and to pursue Him. Then other people get on to the chase, so to speak and become involved in it and then before long you've got a congregational pursuit of the Lord now I believe that this falling out of church and this people distancing themselves from the house of God has had a great effect upon God's movement in 
in the days we're living in. Amen. If you don't have any more interest in me than that, then I'm, I'm really not interested in showing you all I am. Now, I'm speaking just from John 1 and 1 here. That, that's my feeling. That's my thoughts. God's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He'll answer the sinner's prayer in a heartbeat. I'm not saying He won't, but there's just something about one devoting themselves to nearing Him. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, come near to God, He'll come near to you. Amen. Who's responsible for the first step in that verse? And that's a verse. It's not God. It's us. If you want to be near God, then you, you, you put yourself in action. And you get that desire in your heart. And I'm talking, I'm talking desire. I'm not talking about a moment of thought. I'm not talking about a few little... I'm talking you set yourself in motion to get near to God. You'll find Him. Amen. Bible also tells you search diligently for Him. You will find Him. Diligently, key word. In the book of Psalms, chapter 29... The very first verse, the very first word says give. Give. What do we do when we give? What's give mean? Offer. We've got to understand who it is. We've got a clue in here, but we've got to understand who it is that's giving here. Who, who is this talking to? Oh, God. He said, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. I thought God had glory and strength. Why? How are we possibly able to give God glory and strength? Well, we have to understand what's being said here. No. We don't make God glorious. We don't make God no. strong because He's more glorious and has more strength than we can even begin to imagine. So what's being said? Just lift Him up. When we give God, as the Scripture says, and this is David, this is the psalmist David, as he wrote many psalms in times of desperation and he wrote other many psalms in times of joy and praise and worship. Because he saw what God could do. And he more worshipped God. Even in the most dire straits of David's life, when he was responsible for his own downfalls, he knew where to go. To God. Even though he had to repent. And we all do, don't we? Amen. All have come short of sin and come short of the glory of God. Takes us back to the cross. Don't ever be afraid to go there. Don't ever think you can't go there because you can. But here, the expression is, first four words, give unto the Lord. The focus is Him, right? What it, the, the drive here is focus on God. Give unto the Lord. Amen. But more than focus, give unto Him. Where do we give from? If we're giving to the Lord, if we're giving Him glory and strength, and I'm, I'll explain that in a minute, but where does this give come from? Heart, the very makeup of you, you your totality, your entirety. 
Not pieces, not bits, not a thought once in a while. Totality, completely, absolutely. This is guiding us somewhere. David knew this. That's why he wrote so many psalms like this. He knew the result. He knew what happened when people really devotedly gave unto the Lord themselves. But here he, he says, O ye mighty. Now, say he was talking to the, the mighty people of the earth, and indeed he was, but really he's talking to everybody here. Giving to the Lord in the aspect that I've presented so far makes you mighty spiritually. And the more you give unto the Lord, the mightier you become spiritually. Not the kind of mighty that we proclaim it out of pride and arrogance. I'm talking spiritual strength. And we need spiritual strength. The church needs spiritual strength. It's dwindling away like Man, I'm telling you, it's leaving. Because people are losing, or many have lost, the desire, the drive, the want to, the yearning to do what David's talking about here. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Bible in places uses a term glorify the Lord well again I thought God had all kinds of glory he does but the specific here is to glory and, and, and strength in him that comes from the pursuit or we could refer to it as worship when we worship God it, it's He's full of glory and strength. He doesn't need it, but the, the return here really comes to us. The glory of God then is shared with us. The strength of the Lord is then shared and given to us when we praise Him, when we give unto Him. I know there's people see the word give. They, okay, let's throw a few bucks in the offering plate. And that's my God stuff. Won't work. We got to put ourselves in the offering plate, folks. Amen. Not a little round dish. I'll refer to the verse Paul in Romans twelve too. He said, "Present yourselves therefore a living sacrifice unto the Lord." which is holy and acceptable in your reasonable service. Holy. A nearness to God is directly attached to holy and pure. Another reason I think that we're seeing a great dwindling away of the power of God in the churches of the days we're living in. People don't are not concerned about holy anymore. They're not concerned about being pure. They want to run with the world, run with the dogs, live with the hogs, and then pop into a church house every once in a while and get a dose and think they're good to go. See, God looks, and the Bible, this Bible reinforces this. God is looking. 
for people who will genuinely worship Him. Right. He scans the earth for people who genuinely worship Him. And when He finds them, things begin to happen because at that point He blesses. He blesses because of their glorying Him and strengthening Him, so to speak, again. But they're the one that gets the glory of God and the strength of God in return for pursuit. Verse 2. Give unto the Lord. He says it again. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. What's that mean? The glory due unto His name. Uh -huh. Amen. Now, salvation is free. Price has been paid for all of us. We know Jesus came and we know what He did. But I caught that word, the glory due unto His name. It, it, it's like, in, in a way, there's a and I don't want to leave the wrong impression, but kind of like there's kind of a, a wage associated here or a result. If he's due the glory or giving glory to his name and he is due that, that means that he's receiving of it and rightfully so. And I'll, I'll add to then this is me again, because of what he has done. Because he is God. Not, not even what he's done, because he is God. You ever pray, thank you, Lord, just yeah. because Amen. you are? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, God, just because you're God? Yeah. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The Bible recites that Psalms recites that same term about three or four times. Second Chronicles recites it. David over in Second Chronicles recites it. Again, because David knows the results of worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now what's he talking about? In the beauty of holiness. What, what's he implying? Well, what he's implying here is what he's already found out in his own life that God will definitely respond to this. Worshiping Him in the beauty of holiness, which incorporates glory and strength. Some may have a problem or issue trying to visualize God really pouring out His glory and His strength on little human me. But I'm here to tell you tonight I am a recipient and I know for a fact what David's talking about. Because I've been there and done that, not braggingly, but I have experienced the results of what happens when you give God the glory and strength Amen. and you pour yourself out to Him and you commit yourself to Him and you don't leave anything out and you tell Him, God, I want to give you all of me where I can get all of you. Amen. Amen. Hey, that sounds like a good song. Let's yeah. write that one of these days. We might sing it. Give Him all of you where you can receive all of Him. To so what is the beauty of holiness? kind of multifaceted if you think of it properly and it's already been a giveaway here in these scriptures 
the beauty of holiness is just a recognition of, of who God is to start with and worship because of that. His, his glory and His splendor and His just being God. And we worship Him in that aspect totally. And it does as well, I believe, and when I've done this, try to visualize God while you're worshiping. That'll sure help you get your mind off the junk, Brother Lake. Amen. If you visualize God, that fills at least your mind up with something, even if it's temporary, other than whatever. Distractions are the main culprit or the main hindrance when it comes to worshiping the Lord. They get in the way. And there's plenty of them, right? Plenty of distractions. Sometimes we're our own worst distractions. We're our own worst hindrance. But the Bible plainly put it, it, it gives us exactly what we need to arrive at where we need to be going. It always does. But like I preached here not long ago, you got to know, and the only way you're going to know is right here in this book of what's available in God. What's a, what one can have. In, in what David's saying here. What we can receive. Stop a moment, as I always do, and give you an opportunity to put your two cents worth in. What do you think so far? Anybody got a thought? Personal experience. Scriptures that you can reinforce this with. Maybe I haven't thought of. Anybody? I was just looking that up when you said that strengthen. I remember there were some places in the Bible that wearied the Lord, and I was looking at them as opposites. And so, worship in the in the context of strength, but iniquities, like in Isaiah, iniquities, he said, weary me. And I thought that was really interesting. So we have two opposite ends of the spectrum: sins and iniquities Good. are things that that not probably in that context, not in the context of literally being weak, but almost like uh, grievances. Like, um, like when he was grieved when he repented of making man and wanted to flood the mm-hmm. earth. And so uh, I, I just thought about that. I looked that up in Isaiah and I thought it was really good. Yeah, excellent. If you think of, of glory as spectacular, the spectacular, the ultimate spectacular, what God is. There's, you know, you can use terms like, you can see, well, that's really, boy, that's really spectacular. No, no. Anything on this earth don't hold a candle to the spectacular of God, Amen. the glory of God. Strength, literally, and, and I'm glad you said what you did because then it made me think of this. Literally, strength is energizing. If you strengthen someone, you energize them. Now, in God's case, He's already got all the supernatural power and glory. But again, our giving to Him, as David is saying here, energizes Him to give back. The strength and the glory and, and of spirit-filled life. A life in Christ. So, back to the beauty of holiness. I'm going to read that last part again. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, as I mentioned, the first 
thing we need to look at is, is again, just because He is. His majesty. And he deserves it all. And, and I, you know, as of late, I thought, God, in His spectacular glory and super, so tremendous supernatural ability, I mean, it's just, it's beyond what we can even begin to try to reason. But He sent His Son to this earth to undergo cruel and terrible punishment for all of the sins of mankind. Every man and woman that's ever lived on this earth living today and going to live. He carried the sins, the load of the sins of the world on His shoulders. He come from that spectacular. He come from that glory. He come from that supernatural of supernaturals to this earth to do that. More so deserving because He did to be worshipped, to be thanked, to be appreciated, to be glorified. Now, sometimes I think if we done it right, we, we couldn't be quiet and we couldn't be still. If we really did it right. And I know there's people that naturally are reserved and sometimes we try to force people to worship in different ways, but we can't do that. Worship is worship, and each person's different. But the Bible calls us more places than this one right here, multiple places to worship God. Yeah. And literally, worshiping meaning pursue Him by giving of oneself. And we again do that constantly. The more constant and continually we do that, really the easier it becomes. And I won't argue the point tonight. It, it's a discipline process. You've got to make yourself think to do it. When, when, you, when you really get into the, the, the thing here, you've got to remind yourself, and then the more you remind yourself, before long you'll be kind of automatically chasing God every day, like we're supposed to be. And look what He does in return. Beauty of holiness. Okay. Secondly, now beauty of holiness here in the specific is it mentions uh, to decorate in splendor. That's what beauty means. To decorate in splendor. Don't you think about that a minute. What are we decorating? I mean, the, the directive's here, right? Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So who's it talking to? It's talking to believers. So how do we, what do we, what do we decorate in splendor? Well, the answer to that is in the second word, holiness. We decorate in splendor a sacred and dedicated place. Where's that? Sanctuary. That's where it was long ago, folks. It's still the same place today. The house of God. What are we seeing? We've got to be real careful here. What are we seeing? If it's that matter of fact, if it's to decorate in splendor 
a sacred and dedicated place, what is it talking about? Somebody fire it. What do you think? Now, I'm a stickler, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You probably know this already. The house of God deserves the best in every aspect. And I know it's just a building with walls and floor and ceiling and whatever else might be in them. Some of them are small like ours. Some of them are so huge you'd get lost in them. You didn't have a guide lead you around. Fall in between. They're still the house of God. It's the designated, the established, dedicated place where God is to be worshipped. And we do that by decorating with splendor. How do we decorate with splendor? What's it talking about? Guess who the decorations? Not what they are, but guess who they are? How do we do that? How in the world do we come before a holy God and decorate with splendor the place where we worship? It's right there in the midst. It's called holiness. Purity. We'll talk about that. Give your hand. I was just going to say, the Bible says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and the truth. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's who we really are. You know, we come before him to humble ourselves, and it's collective. It's everybody coming in spirit and the truth. And that's, uh, as you said, that's the best. That best. Best you got. From everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, just honestly speaking, and we're not throwing stones at anybody. <laughs> But how many times do you see the total opposite? And I want you to think about what we're supposed to be doing and what we really do. And what the difference would be if churches really got a hold of this and really applied it and everybody started pursuing God like we're biblically directed to do and get an understanding of this glory and strength and and worshiping in the beauty of holiness, which starts with number one, not the one across the aisle or that one back there. Number one, uh-huh. come on. If we can. What's a good term here? I don't want to use force, but if we can come to an understanding of that, of how important that we are individually. Every time we come in that door to a service, how important we are, me, little old myself, in this thing, if I can get a hold of that and begin applying that, I can make a difference. And so can everybody else. Not for a show. Not that we can say, look at us, but where we can near God. Where everybody can near God together. Amen. And this isn't asking for some kind of a wild display of emotions or it's not asking, it's not what it's saying. This is something that has to derive from a desire in the heart from every individual believer. The world's not going to worship God. You might as well forget that. When they're doing it less, they, they don't even want his name mentioned, so they're not worshiping him. 
It is the responsibility of believers and Christians to do the worshiping of God, which brings the power of God into the midst of the church. And the more we understand this and the more we apply and the more we individually ourselves become involved in it, the more we're going to see the glory and the strength of God. Amen. This isn't some kind of a secret that we're trying to find down the road somewhere. This, this is something that's been vacated somewhere back down the road. And the church is suffering because of it. Lackadaisical attitudes. Don't care. Lack of concern. Irresponsibility. It's epidemic. And then people ask, what's the wrong with the church? Why don't many people go to, there ain't many cars in the, and this is not just here, it's everywhere. Where's all the people at? Beauty of holiness. Now, if you'll consider with me, and, and, and I, I think I've painted a pretty good picture here of what I'm, I'm trying to say. The splendor the decoration. We'll never arrive at being able to decorate like heaven's decorated. Man, I'm, I'm waiting to get there. Oh my God. I hope you are. That, that place is going to be some more place. You talk about decorate. Jesus said he was going to prepare a place for us. Amen. But he also said if he's going to prepare a place for us, He's going to come back Amen. and take us where he's at. And the Bible tells us that he's pretty much looking for a church without spot or blemish or wrinkle. In what? Spot, blemish, wrinkle. You know what that's referring to? Levitical law, which is Old Testament, required required when you go get a sacrificial lamb or ram or whatever it might have been it better not have a spot on it it better not have a wrinkle and it better not have a blemish it had to be the best of the best amen that's what it meant and for some reason that's been gotten so far away from and I know we don't sacrifice animals anymore we sacrifice more than animals. We sacrifice ourself. And the idealism now is just come any way you want to come, be any way you want to be, drag whatever you want to and present it to God and He's just got to accept it. I beg to differ. I beg to differ because of this. It's not what this says. Now God will accept the vilest sinner and I'm not, don't somebody get off necessarily on dress or what we wear, even though I believe that is a part of this, how we present ourselves respectfully, reverently. Who are we representing? God. I've been talking to people lately, and they, you know, people share, and they, I mean, and I take pretty much the truth what they're sharing, that how some people show up at church anymore is just unbelievable. They don't care what they're showing. You don't like it, you lump it. 
What did I say? Decorate in splendor? Yeah. We're each called to do that. Us. Here. Decorate this thing in splendor. Know who we're coming before. Understand you standing before Almighty God, the creator of the universe that sent that son to this place that we could even be here. Amen. And not be headed to sort some hellfire and brimstone to spend eternity. He rescued us out of that. Amen. And he deserves a whole lot more than what is being given in a lot of places. Amen. Amen. Beauty of holiness. Boils right down to individuality. We need to be considerate and we need to be concerned about how we decorate the sanctuary. And please understand that. It's not talking about diamonds and gold and glittery. and It's talking about refining ourselves. We should constantly be refining ourselves for God. The Bible refers to it as purifying ourselves or sanctifying ourselves cleaning ourselves up more and more polishing ourselves more and more it's some people can take it as a a task that's wearisome but if you approach it properly it's a joy that's rewarding what I'm talking about polishing ourselves I'm not teaching and I'm not preaching salvation by works by any means. But when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and really get what He came and done for us, we should know, we should know that He deserves a lot of worship Amen. and our best, our best. best of our heart, the best of our everything. That's the essence of the individual decorating that I'm now at, other than just because he's God and then the sanctuary individual. Because that's where it starts. I can't decorate for you. You can't decorate for me. I like the word splendor because splendor is associated to the heavenly most often. And that allows us to be incorporated in the process. Us given by what we do, what we need to splendor God's presence. Does that make sense? Want anybody confused? Think about it. Anybody have an insertion question? Thought? Argument? You you are you getting this? You understand? Now this is over and over and over and over. David speaks of it. He's not the only one. Uh, Paul touched on it multiple times. Peter touched on it. 
others. How important it is that we understand how God is to be glorified and decorated for. You know, in this world we live in, say, roll out the red carpet. We got a purple one, but <laughs> roll it out. Roll out the red carpet from here. Treat with honor. Expect the glory. Because we're talking God here. We're not talking a man. We're talking God. Go over to First John. what I said about heaven being decorated a moment ago in splendor I'm trying to imagine visualize that Jesus didn't elaborate when he said I'm going to prepare a place he just said I'm going to prepare a place John here in the Second chapter, verse 28. First John, not the Gospel of John, First John. It's on over right before Revelations, right before Jude. He said, And now little children abide in Him, Him being Christ, that when He shall appear... Anybody, anybody ready? Everybody ready? When he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Does that scare anybody? Not be ashamed before him at his coming? What would shame him? Somebody help me out. What would shame him? What else? Not being ready. Well, that's going to be shame on us. Yes. Or whoever, not me. Think about this. We don't shame him. We have confidence that we don't shame him. Where do we get the confidence from? What's that all about? When he shall appear, we may have confidence. Uh huh. Amen. We may have confidence. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. What's the confidence? Knowing the truth. Knowing what we did before he showed up was in line. Good. We know that we know that we know. Before time. Yes. Prepared. All out prepared. 
If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. We know He's righteous, right? Amen. Christ is righteous. He's a righteous one. Who is that that's born of Him? What's He talking about? Christians just been born again, born of Him. It's the only way we can be saved. First part of chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Boy, there's a message in itself. I'm going to read it again. Behold, wow, look at this. Awesome. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of Son God. God. Amen. Woo-wee. Anybody here a son of God? Amen. Anybody here a daughter of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are the rest of you? <laughs> you never get a unanimous. But we are. We all are. Amen. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Uh-huh. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. What's he talking about? What we shall be. Uh-huh. What we shall be. When? When we get there. Get to heaven. Finality. But we know that when he shall appear. We shall be like, like him. him. Amen. Yes. For we shall see him as he is. Yes. Man, man, man. We're going to have to have some kind of a supernatural radiant. I'm telling you, when you see the Lord, it's, I don't know how we're going to stand it. Praise God. We will because God's provided the way and the means. But man, think about that. Now look. Verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. When do we purify ourselves? Now. Now. Now I know that the blood purifies, cleanses us of our sins. But purifying here is talking of really what I've been all around all night. Preparation to meet God. To give Him our best. Purifying our lives while we're here as a gift. Oh, Give thank you. unto the Lord. Glory and strength. That's the way we do it. Do it several ways. Matter of fact, we do it by living for Him every day. Proclaiming Him as God every day. Worshiping Him all the time. Especially towards the final day. Any other comments? have something to say pastor I think you know a lot of people when they think of 
like their favorite singer or whatever, if they get the opportunity to go and be a part of it, they are so just consumed. Yeah, over their stuff. Right. Yes. And we're talking about, you know, the creator, the king of kings, yeah. the lord of lords, and, you know, he he's looking at us, you know, we can catch his attention. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's shocking to me how we can do that for men, you know, or somebody who's really wealthy and famous and we fumble and do everything we can to appease them, but we take God for granted so mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good. Very good. Anybody else want to share? What do you think? Mightily. He said, we're blessed mightily. The rest of it's lay out the sink. The I guess the main drive of this in a big way is just to get people to move, to get, get them to start, to bring believers to the point of understanding that if God sent Jesus to this earth, again coming from the spectacular of heaven, he didn't have to come at all. He volunteered. Amen. What can we give him in return? The thing he wants the most. Worship. From us. Ourselves. Anybody else? Before we close. You know, John, as great as heaven is, I think we got one up on it. We have not seen, but we believe. Oh, yeah. yeah, believe. We believe. Told Thomas, you believe because you've yeah. seen, you touch yeah. it. Yeah. Blessed are those yeah. who have not seen. Yeah. Still yeah. Still looking. Still going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it, man. Faith, belief. Right. Yeah. It's coming. Amen. He's coming. Amen. It's coming, and he's coming. Right. Let us not be ashamed when he appears. Keep that coming.